Are you ready to learn more about promoting play, defending childhood, empowering caregivers? Save 10% on professional development at explorationsearlylearning.com and support the show with the coupon code OOL. Click the link in the show notes to browse upcoming trainings. Hello, and welcome back to Out of Line, the podcast where we challenge some of the norms of parenting and schooling and education these days and advocate for kids. Um, I'm Annie, and today we are lucky enough to have Kisa Marks back. Kisa from Kid Crew Adventures in Oak Park, Illinois. Hi, Kisa. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me again. You're welcome. (laughs) In our last conversation, I caught something that I found very intriguing and I want to dig deeper on. And you Mm -hmm. mentioned um, that moment that you had with the child who kind of, you thought you were the safe space you had created for this child. and, And you kind of had to reflect based on their experience with restraint collapse at the end of the day with you. And, um, Tell me about that process, because I know you said you kind of took it personally at first and you had to work through it, but then it helped you kind of restructure everything. It did. Um, I'm a very naturally intuitive person, and I would constantly have these dreams that, and in the dreams, the kids were like upset and crying, and it didn't match our real day-to-day lives. So I think when I read this post and the parent was saying that uh, her child who was like an exemplary student was behaving in this way because they felt safe at home, it just put my antennas up and I did take it very, very personally, but I never left it. It's the seed was planted. Mm -hmm. So I started to pay more attention to what was happening And I thought about some of the things that I would say, like if a parent came to tour and they asked the question like, oh, um, what do you do if a child has a meltdown? And my natural quick response was our environment doesn't lend itself to that. (laughs) No meltdowns allowed. (laughs) Not even, I didn't even think that it wasn't allowed. I was just like, no kid is ever crying. Yeah. They're They're happy here. They're just happy here. But I didn't think of it like, no, listen to what you're saying. The environment doesn't lend itself to that. And so there's just no space mm-hmm. for you to have those meltdowns. Mm-hmm. And so I started just little by little, just paying attention and noticing like these kids are doing this, but are they doing it because they don't think they're allowed to do it. If they're looking at their friends and their friends aren't doing it, maybe in their little minds, they're just thinking, I can't. So I have to hold it together to, <laughs> to do it. And so it just started to, um, I just had to deconstruct what, mm-hmm. what I was doing in order to build what, what was a genuine atmosphere you know, not a playful atmosphere. You are home here and at your real home. Okay. Okay. I love that concept. Like that. Yeah. Feeling at home in in the space where you Mm -hmm. are brought to learn and grow and develop. Yeah. You you should, Uh this should be your space. How did you do that? What'd you do to your space? Or your schedule or your routines? Would you change everything? (laughs) I can tell by your (laughs) I changed 
every single thing. That's why I use the word deconstruct because it started with my mindset, which took, I would say, at least a year. Oh, the D school uh, is real. Yes. <laughs> and, and then I had to, it was just a series of audits, right? You audit your mindset, you audit your, your values, and then you start to audit your space. And um, I use the word enclosures a lot. And you look at where you're enclosing the kids, where you're enclosing yourself, the things mm-hmm. that you're doing. And in, in, everything had to go. Mm-hmm. And so I just started letting go of little things along the way. And then the pandemic happened. Mm. Once the pandemic happened, you know, you were literally closed in. You couldn't mm. visit anyone, but only kids that were in the care were the kids of essential workers. Um, so their friends were gone. You couldn't go to the park, couldn't go to the library. All of that was gone. And and I could see the tension building with the kids. Uh, they were more angry than usual. There were there was a lot of not even negotiation, like fights hmm. between the kids. Things I had never seen before, and I just like straight to throw down. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, something has to change. And we didn't have really a lot of options. You good? And um, so I had a tiny backyard. And I was like, you know, we're going to take it back old school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're going to go outside and play. Mm-hmm. And so we started going outside and I just saw these new beings emerge. They started to open up in ways I had never seen. They started to tell me things I had never heard. And I was like, this is it. Mm-hmm. This I have to break down the walls from where I am and and come outside and Mm -hmm. that's what we did and it just evolved until I became completely play-based 100% play-based I went from teacher-led to 100% like child-centered and now now we're nature-based because I was like outside is where it is Mm. (laughs) so magical yeah, from a, a teacher-led, teacher-centered, we don't go outside when it's raining, windy, cold, <laughs> or I don't feel like it. To, <laughs> to, I mean, every single thing changed. Mm. So, yeah. Well, and I love that you based that all in your awareness and observation, and it doesn't sound like you did anything fast. It sounds like oh, you're no. very methodical with the processing mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um the outside thing, I, I remember when that, when I figured that out too, and it's like really amazing when you, when mm-hmm. you really look at what happens to kids outside, especially in those early years, especially like under eight, mm-hmm. they, it's like a, a physical need, right? And then yeah. you see their bodies, their body language shifts, their shoulders yeah. relax. There's just mm-hmm. so much less tension. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I taught in a full on like hardcore forest preschool for a few years and, um, the first day of that school was um, amazing. It was the only time I'd had a first day, maybe one or two kids cry, but there was no nervousness like I had seen in every other kind of classroom, you know, an environment that had a school year start, right? Like something mm-hmm. like a new beginning, everybody, mm-hmm. a new group together. And it was one of the parents, I was like, kind of like, whoa, like blown away by it myself. Yeah. And one of the parents was like, well, they're all familiar with 
outside. Like they all know trees. It's universal. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It just blows your mind. It was transformative. I can say that I, um, I wasn't an outdoors kid. I was very indoors, imaginative type of kid. Mm -hmm. But when I think about it, all my favorite things were outside, finding the clouds, playing in the grass, making up my little dramas in my mind. (laughs) They were all around some tree or, you know, right. Um, So I guess I was an outdoors kid, but I grew up in the city. So, and I didn't know about like white spaces and finding nature anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, once I saw it in the kids, I grew mm-hmm. as a person to be curious and wonder what type of tree that is and wonder what type of bird that is and, and don't get near me, but what type of book <laughs> is that that you're holding? <laughs> well, I love that because I think I know for myself and I think so many other educators who are like, they want to do it, but there's this, it's a growing thing of like nature education, right? But it feels like something special, like something you have to be certified in or something. Yeah. I I also don't think of my child as a particularly outdoor childhood. I watched a lot of TV. I was number four in a lineup of five kids. Like I, that was where I could find my alone space. I had control. I was over four, four. I would love to say remote, but I was still changing channels with my toes. You know, it was like push button TVs. <laughs> so, you know, like, but like you, like I do have these very special memories and it's probably a lot more time than I realize outside, you know, we didn't Mm -hmm. have like woods in our backyard, but we had like a little wooded area and that Mm -hmm. became anything, right? Like that's where Mm -hmm. your imagination could really go. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know I was afraid to call myself a nature educator at first. And I hadn't spent a lot of time by choice outdoors um, as an adult, um, like camping, I wasn't a hardcore, like camper or anything but we did move out to the mountains of Wyoming and that's where everyone's a nature person and everybody lives to be outside and they live for winter and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you know being a a kid growing up in the suburbs of Chicago winter wasn't fun right like snow meant like slush I mean we had fun too but like Mm -hmm. the gruel of like getting through the snow and in your commute or whatever like made it like uh snowing yeah we were out in Wyoming people are like oh my gosh it's snowing like it's gonna snow 12 inches tonight like that was so excited right (laughs) that kind of taught me naturally but anyways I just I think like anyone can be a nature person. And that's so important to know, like our bodies are nature, right? Like there's, there's everyone, you don't have to have an outside space even to be a nature program. Yeah. I I a hundred percent agree. I just did a workshop on nature play and that was trying to get people to understand that you do not have to be like the full body suit type of forest <laughs> ranger. You don't have to do that. You can be from the hood in Chicago. You can <laughs> not know what type of bird that is and still be a nature person. You can have a house full of plants. Mm-hmm. You know, you can create your nature safe space in your safety, you know, of your home. Yeah. You can find nature in your mall, you know, mm-hmm. with the plants around you. You can go identify, go on a hunt with your kids. You can find nature anywhere mm-hmm. and it'll be just as good for you no matter where you are. Yeah. I think I love it's that. so important for us to know that. So you can hate bugs and be a nature educator. 
A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I do. <laughs> I, love that. I know they're necessary, but please do not come near me. <laughs> from afar. I'll be interested from, from afar. afar. I thought the best investment I made was the bunch of little bug catchers. So when the kids are proud and they're like, Miss Kisa, and they put it up to me, it's in a container. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep that contained. Yeah, oh, I love that. We have a, um, or we had, um, rest in peace, Bob, the bearded dragon lizard. We had a bearded dragon lizard in our classroom or in our yeah. learning space. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the very first week we had him, we thought we lost him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking everywhere under the, we have a couch in our center. We were looking under the couch and, and it turned out he had a, a rock that was like one of those hidden rocks that he could yeah. hide in it. But we didn't know that yet because he was new to us. And we were like, where did he go? Who had him out? And, but there were some big feelings that day when that lizard was on the lizard. Yeah. I can imagine. Mm. And I love everything, but the little things that scurry that is too much. Too for much. Me. <laughs> Uh, okay. I want to get back to the, the part though. You, you mentioned, um, the deprogramming of your mindset and, and yeah. that I think is what I didn't expect to go through as much really when I made the shift, I had like you been in playful spaces, spaces that had really prioritized play. Mm-hmm. But when I first got to a place where I could really like make it all about play and and really center the child. Like you said, center mm-hmm. the child in every decision, every aspect, every routine of it, every rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, the mindset was the hardest part because I thought I had it. I yeah. knew the value of play. I mm-hmm. knew the facts. I know the neuroscience, mm-hmm. but, but like shifting what I had been socialized to come to think about kids and control and who's in control and who's got to tell who, what to do those things pop up and at the worst moments, right. When you, when you're at your most stretched thin, Mm -hmm. you go back to those places, Mm -hmm. right. Or you give that look, right. That teacher look or that mom look that like, it just instills fear. And, and I get it. Like, sometimes you do need that look, but, but (laughs) how do you really get in there and get that out and, and, and provide yourself alternatives? You have to give yourself grace. That's the way you do it. Because if your your mindset is fixed, right? You believe that it's all or none. Like if you're changing it, you have to get rid of all the things. And you do, but it has to be slow. And you have to know that those reactions, if you feel like you lost control mm-hmm. and you have to give them a look or whatever to regain the control, that's a trigger. That's a sign there's something you need to fix. Mm. And so that's what, when, when I feel that way that I have to control the room, <laughs> then I know like, are you sleepy, hungry, thirsty? Are you stressed <laughs> out? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or I'm laughing you, because yeah. I know, because I know, yeah, like, you know. <laughs> like when, when you feel the need to control the room, that's such a huge indicator for me, at least, I don't know, not everybody, but like when oh, I'm starting feel like to feel like control? I wanted to scream, mm-hmm. shut up and sit down or whatever, pull off like <laughs> yeah. the old teacher tricks, turn the lights turn off. Turn the lights off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Then you go yeah. through your, your hierarchy of needs checklist. Mm-hmm. What do I need yes. here? And, and honestly, for I me, need? it's always hungry. <laughs> I just need a it's snack. Hunger or thirst or thirst. Um, or this is a huge one for me. Your blind spot. 
is it something um, I was talking with another educator about a child who um, let's say a needier child, Mm -hmm. a child that's always, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I turn around. They're like, you're tripping over them. Um, And I was saying kids that you don't know are there underfoot. Yeah. Yeah. And I was saying, I don't know why for some reason that always gets my attention. You know, I focus on it, focus on it, focus on them, hyper-focused on why does this child need to be like right under me all the time? And my friend told me it's probably because of something that happened when you were little. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I thought about that. I said, but I wasn't uh, that type of kid. I was very quiet. And she was like, that's why. That's why it's still your trigger Mm -hmm. because you're wondering why you didn't require that and this mm-hmm. child does. So it was like a total wow. game changer for me because then I understood I'm not giving this child the attention or, you know, I'm withholding the attention because I don't understand what it's like to need the attention. Mm-hmm. But this isn't about me. It's about them. Oh, man. So it shifted Ugh. everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hardest part right this isn't about me <laughs> I'm just making it about me <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh and and my inner child is not the child here in the situation like it's I am not. still an adult even though yes. my inner child has a need we've got to deal with that on like later time yes <laughs> it's so true oh my gosh mm-hmm. and that's a really interesting thought like your triggers your hot buttons those mm-hmm. moments, like what, what they have to say about us and, and our need or our mm-hmm. lack or mm-hmm. our, our surplus as, as kids and, and how mm-hmm. that affects us now. Yeah. And it is, there's so much to sift through. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So you go through your hierarchy needs, you figure out like how that connects to you and you do that inner work. Mm-hmm. What other alternatives or what other like strategies did you have when you felt that need for control or rigidity coming up? Ooh, I, I honestly think it just kept going back to grace that Mm -hmm. you're human and the children need to see you be human. Ooh, yes. How do they see that? Yes. So what I model for the kids is it, let's say I was dysregulated and I felt the need to turn the lights on and off or whatever. Then I had to learn to say that, this whatever made me frazzled or mm. uh, when this happens, that made me frustrated. Mm. And so I shouldn't have turned the lights on and off because that startled you. Mm. you yeah. So they could see, and then they start to give me signs and they learn that I'm human, just like you, like yes. <laughs> you see that I'm not all together a robot all day. And I'm turning these lights on and off because I'm so controlled. You can't be out of control. Mm. No, I'm doing that because I'm lacking control too. Yep. Uh (laughs) Yeah. So I thought that was um, a good indicator because when we, I am a very compliant person. So everything seems very put together. Mm. So if I'm modeling that it's not, they get to see that like, oh, she makes mistakes. And one thing we always say in here is uh, still learning. The, uh, the baby's still learning. Miss Keisa's still learning. 
And that way they get to see, oh, she's just as flawed as I am. Uh, well, and it's such an invitation, right? It's an it invitation is. to be flawed when you see other people's flaws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody needs to have some notion of perfection that is just unattainable. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much pressure for you too. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. frazzled when you, I feel frustrated that, yeah, yeah. that's such an important phrase to say. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Sometimes I feel like all I'm doing is apologizing. Ah, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm a grown up who was taught how to be a grown up from bad grown ups. Yeah. The last week, um, I told you I was doing this workshop. So I was telling the kids yeah. like you're teaching, uh, grown ups, And so just out of nowhere, we were doing something. And one of the big kids was like, Miss Kisa, kids are smarter than grown ups." And I was like, you're absolutely right. And then I'm like, huh? Wait, <laughs> you agree? <laughs> you agree? And I say, yes, because you come here knowing what to do. And then as you get older, people tell you not to do it. Oh, yeah. So children are smarter than the adults because they know how to be naturally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that one, I feel that one deep. Yeah. Because- <laughs> Mm-hmm. They do. They know. And they, they, I, if we just trusted kids more, yeah, like it would be such a different more. place. Listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like being real and being authentic, it, it takes all of this. Like I've heard you say, you know, it starts with awareness, like starts mm-hmm. with your own willingness to observe with an open mind that Maybe you don't know everything. Maybe you aren't always right. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't need the control and then slowly deconstructing. And I heard nature and being outside is such an integral part to that. And I couldn't agree more. I think mm-hmm. if you can have, um, you know, in our program, we realized early on one of our, and, and we opened amid the pandemic, like early. Um, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So we had to, we had to find ways to be outside. Right. But like, mm-hmm. we really realized that priority to, to be able to allow anyone to be outside when they needed it. Right. Because yeah. for me, that became my biggest, like I, I had a lot of anxiety from the pandemic and being inside with people that alone just was a hot button for me. So like, yeah. I needed to be able to step outside and, and mm-hmm. breathe fresh air and yeah. calm myself down. Mm-hmm. And so we realized how that just like needed to be a priority in our program. Yeah. So if you have that ability to like let kids be outside whenever they need it, like they oh. know their outlet, Hold they on, know Chris. how to get there, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being human, I think that's such a huge thing to like model for your kids. Like you said, like I feel frustrated when the noise gets really loud in here and I need like showing them that, you know, that you need to do that work, that it's on you yeah. and not them. Mm-hmm. It's us. We have to do all the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's in reverse. We put it on you. You did this and now I'm mad. Right? But no, I'm you just regulated. <laughs> yeah, you made me feel frustrated. No, I'm dysregulated and you're just doing what kids do. Mm-hmm. And it's on me to deal with that. Now I can tell you, I need to step away or I need to take some belly breaths, you know, mm-hmm. like tell kid. But it's not what you're doing. It's because I'm frazzled. I'm frustrated. Right. So we can own that. We can own that. And how amazing. Like, I think about that. If I had that language at mm-hmm. eight, nine, 10, whenever, like, I, I, I'm i dysregulated. I need a minute. Yeah. How much, like, 
Yeah. What a, a lovely society to live in, to just be able to say things like that to each other. Like, I'm going to need a few minutes here. Here's my coping strategy. I'm going to use, and I'm yeah. saying it out loud to help you process and realize that you have coping strategies too. Like we all have control over our breath. Mm-hmm. And we all have control over our words. If we have the language, mm-hmm. it brings me so much joy to hear my little three-year-olds like, I'm so frustrated because <laughs> because they they need to know there's things there's a spectrum and it's not just happy or sad Mm -hmm. all these things in between and it's not good or bad right it's not bad to be frustrated yes yes that's natural that's your body telling you something's off Mm -hmm. telling you you feel a certain way and you should listen to that and so I love to give children language. And that's why I use different words like frazzled. So they get it like, mm-hmm. you know, if I make the face or say things or I say, you know, we all make mistakes or uh, I forget everything. Mm-hmm. And they also, Miss Kisa forgets everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's human to have these complex, nuanced, you know, emotions and behaviors Mm -hmm. and what we need to normalize is being normal yeah (laughs) totally well and like you said they they start cluing into your your cues too like like Mm -hmm. you do to them like you can see when a kid's starting to like you're like oh maybe you can I help guide you maybe you need a snack right now like yeah I love it when my kids are like oh here's a granola bar mom like (laughs) (laughs) I need a snack that's it Yes, yes. I the, I had uh something happened. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a, a grown-up dysregulation moment and I didn't even realize that my frustration was showing on my face. And one of my little babies came and took my hand and they're doing this I'm like, "What are you doing?" They were breathing. Oh. Well, they were showing me to take breaths like we would do to them so that's good because they're learning empathy and they're safe to say girl take a breath take a breath (laughs) take a moment and how much more powerful than like the you know giving them a time out like they see you taking a moment they remind you you can take a moment like you can take a moment and I think that's always the like we've talked about well-intentioned adults like Mm -hmm. I think Time out started from a, a, a well-intentioned place. You might need a minute to breathe, yeah. but it has not stayed that way. Yeah, but the the who needs the minute to breathe? Right, 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 right. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you, Keith. I've loved this conversation. I love yeah. talking to you. I'm going to um, just kind of like always be in your ear now to come out anytime time you want to talk about this de-schooling process. It's hard. Yeah. School is all around us. These, Mm-hmm. ideals of adultism are all around us. It is stepping out of line to recognize that you can do it differently. Yeah, you can, and you'll be better for it. And so will everyone else that comes into your circle. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. Last line. Thank you. Kisa Marks. Kisa, tell us <laughs> where we can you. find you. I know you mentioned some workshops and. All oh, that yes. Stuff. So you can find me on the playmarket.net. I have courses on um, deconstructing early learning. So it has to do with nature play, uh, the teacher process, mm-hmm. unlearning that, and um, the play, uh, play-based pipeline, oh. which is kind of rerouting the prison 
to a preschool to prison pipeline. So wait, do another skills. three hours. Can you stay and we can get a straight drunk? <laughs> <laughs> we can go through all of those. <laughs> but you can always uh, get all of my information also on uh, Instagram at okay. Kid Crew Adventures. And I have a website, which is kidcareeventures.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kisa Marks. Um, we you. will definitely be talking again. All right. All right. Bye bye. It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Explorations Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.